Hey, Shanna, did you know that you can purchase audiobooks directly from your local bookstore? Yes. With Libro FM, you'll get the same audiobooks at the same price as the largest audiobook company out there. You know the name. But with Libro FM, you get to search up your local indie bookstore and support them instead. And if you're new to audiobooks, they're the perfect way to squeeze more reading into your busy life. I constantly have a book in my ear because cleaning the house or exercising is so much more fun while reading. Sign up for Libro.fm and use the code GOODBOOKS to get two books instead of one for the price of your first month's membership. Good books. Good books. From the ground we stand, from our ships we live, by the stars we hope. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Best Book Club podcast. I'm Jen. And I'm Shanna. And today we will be discussing The Long Way to a Small Angry Planet by Becky Chambers. This is the first book in the Wayfair series, which won the Hugo Award for Best Series in 2019. This book was self-published in 2014 after a very successful crowdfunding campaign. It was the first self-published novel to be nominated for a Kitchies? Kitchies. Kitchies something like that <laughs> award, which is a British literary prize that is presented to the year's most progressive, intelligent and entertaining works that contain elements of the speculative or fantastic. Becky Chambers is an American science fiction writer whose interest in space started at a young age. Her parents are an astrobiology educator and a satellite engineer. Her grandfather also worked with NASA So she has just been immersed in space her entire life. Yeah, that'll do it. Yeah, right? She was born in California, but has also lived in Iceland and Scotland, and she now lives in California with her wife. She has a new series called Monk and Robot, with the first book being called Psalm for the Wild Built. The second book is coming out on July 12th, and it's called A Prayer for the Crown Shy. She also wrote a novella called To Be Taught If Fortunate, which was nominated for a Hugo for Best Novella. And I just want to say I love all the names of all of her books. The titles are awesome. Yeah, she's good at it. Yeah, they make me want to pick them up. And the covers of these books are also beautiful, although there are some other covers that are a little less beautiful, but still kind of cool. Are you talking about the UK covers? Maybe. Yeah, probably. Uh, I love them too. Though. Yeah. Like, I love them all. <laughs> yeah, they're all good. I made a note here. I was listening to her do an interview with someone and she was talking about how a lot of her inspiration for writing and what made her want to write the kind of science fiction that she writes was after she read a book called The Left Hand of Darkness by Ursula Le Guin. So I haven't read it yet. I probably want to, but if anyone else is looking for any kind of similar recommendations, that's probably where I would suggest starting. It's an old book. It was published in, I think, 1969, but it's supposed to be very diverse and kind of different. I don't want to necessarily say gentle sci-fi because I don't know if that's true, but just this kind of brand of sci-fi that Becky Chambers seems to be writing. Uh, Yeah, Ursula Le Guin is actually really very famous in the fantasy realm. She wrote the Earthsea series, which is a big old deal. I haven't read it, but I keep meaning to. Well, maybe this will be a push into that direction. Hopefully. 
Are you ready for a synopsis, Jen? I'm ready. When Rosemary Harper joins the crew of the Wayfarer, she isn't expecting much. The ship, which has seen better days, offers her everything she could possibly want. A small, quiet spot to call home for a while. Adventure in far-off corners of the galaxy and distance from her troubled past. But Rosemary gets more than she bargained for with the Wayfarer. The crew is a mishmash of species and personalities, from Sissix, the friendly reptilian pilot, to Kizzy and Jenks, the constantly sparring engineers who keep the ship running. Life on board is chaotic, but more or less peaceful, exactly what Rosemary wants. Until the crew are offered the job of a lifetime, the chance to build a hyperspace tunnel to a distant planet, they'll earn enough money to live comfortably for years. If they survive the long trip through war-torn interstellar space without endangering any of the fragile alliances that keep the galaxy peaceful. But Rosemary isn't the only person on board with secrets to hide, and the crew will soon discover that space may be vast, but spaceships are very small indeed. So, that's the synopsis. You can understand why I thought I was going to have a very, very hard time getting anybody else to read this book with me. Yeah, as always, I went in actually not really knowing a whole lot, surprisingly. But what did you think of it, Shanna? Oh, I love it. Oh, yes. I love it so much. (laughs) I don't think it's any secret. I have read the entire series. I love Becky Chambers. I loved every single book. Yes. And this one is the one that started it all. What did you think, Jen? I really loved it, too. It was so good. Yeah. Um, I've only read the first book, so all I can speak to... But it was, yeah, it was so good. It was so pleasant to read. It was just so nice to read a story where some bad things happen. But for the most part, it's just pleasant and nice and interesting and nice. I don't know. And then it's over and you're like, oh, that was sure nice. That was good. Yeah. So, yeah, I'd give it five stars. It's fantastic. And and it was really well written. It was well written. It was well done. I have no problems. The only problem I could possibly even say that I have was that I could have done without any conflicts. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. I understand most people expect there to be some kind of conflict in the novels that they read. Yeah, there was only one part that I was like, I'm not sure what this is about. But I, I do understand why it was there. But you know, that's spoilery so i'm not gonna talk about it yeah we'll talk about that later i think yeah you probably know what it is yeah but i think because i'm not a huge sci-fi reader though i would really like to be i'm really attracted to it but every time i try reading it i'm like eh not for me but in this case i liked it it was set in space which i've been looking for wasn't too sciencey but there was some sciencey kind of stuff and yeah, it was it was really nice on my eyes. Oh, nice on my eyes, nice on my brain, nice in my soul. So yeah, highly recommend. Yep. It's, uh, I, I'd add it to the list of books that I would just recommend to anyone. Yeah, I devoured the series. I picked this one up and I read it and then I was like, well, guess this is what I'm doing for the next three books. <laughs> Yeah, I haven't I have not started the second one, but I I will. I just have so many dang books to read. So many. It's so good. It's honestly so so good. Okay. You weren't at other book club, but Nikki no. read the next one. So. Oh yeah. Assume she loved it so much. She loved it. It's so good. <laughs> <laughs> but okay, who's here for the spoilers? 
I hope it's everyone who's going to keep listening from this point on, because this is where the spoilers start. Pew, pew. (laughs) Disclaimer for everybody. I had COVID, have COVID. She's within the COVID, don't go near her bubble. I've had COVID recently and I'm mostly fine, but I have found that my brain is literally goo now. I may not make sense at all. (laughs) I am mostly in charge of kind of running our book club on Instagram. So if anyone's noticed that after... About halfway through, my answers started like not really making as much sense. It's because I literally <laughs> could not form sentences. I'm trying to type up my answers. They're not coming out in English. I'm trying to read books to my daughter. I'm not even reading the words that are actually on the page. <laughs> like I, I don't know how to explain it other than my brain is goo. COVID did it to me. I'm very sorry. <laughs> It's, I was the only person in our friend group who had COVID for the longest time, and now everybody's had it, because it was everybody else's turn over the last week. I'm like, haha, how'd you like it? You guys, I, it's not nice. No. I didn't deserve COVID. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Thanks a lot. <laughs> yeah. <sighs> so. But yeah, it, it hits everyone different, and I remember, yeah, just being, oh. Every muscle in my body hurt. Couldn't smell anything or taste anything. And I was actually 95% brain dead. Yeah, I'm I'm 95% brain dead. That's my biggest symptom, I guess. Maybe because my biggest symptom while I was actually sick was ginormous headaches. Mm -hmm. So the headaches actually melted my brain tissue, I think. That could be it. Yeah. So anyways, that's my story. If I don't make sense more than usual, this is why. Enjoy. (laughs) I am not drunk. (laughs) So we've got Rosemary traveling through space to start a new job as a clerk on a ship called the Wayfarer, which has the job of making tunnels through space. And this part of the book was something where I kind of understood in abstract what they were doing, but just kind of didn't think about it too hard. Yes. (laughs) <laughs> Which is safe because it's not real. Yeah. <laughs> so you can just kind of make it up and be like, that's, that's good. <laughs> this, is, this is okay. So when she gets to the ship, she's tired and hungry and miserable. And unfortunately, the first person she sees is a man named Corbin. He is kind of a grumpy, pompous jerk type that everyone dislikes. But he is really good at algae, which is important for running the ship. So they tolerate him. Well, actually, the first person she encounters is Lovey, who is the ship's AI. But at this point, we don't really know that she is a person. Yes. And you know what I really liked about algae being what runs the ship? Mm -hmm. Uh, Earlier this year, we both read... Project Hail Mary. Thank you. Not saving private spaceship. (laughs) My brain... Is on point, actually. <laughs> really good. I mean, now we're really just on the same level. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but that one had the astrophage, which was like an algae sort yeah. of a deal. So, you know, I loved that book. So for me, I was like, hee hee hee. Is algae used for fueling spaceships often? Or is this totally actually, made of science? 
Um, well, it's definitely made up science, but I'm but, like, I'm pretty sure that they're not using algae. <laughs> yeah. Well, <laughs> it's just like a common literary fuel. Like sci-fi thing? <laughs> I don't know. Um, I don't know. But it's come up a few times in my books. So maybe. Maybe. I don't know. I will report back if I get any more algae-fueled spaceships. All right. Um, so, okay, right off the bat, we learn that this is a multi-species world. Rosemary's from Mars, which is mostly a human-populated planet and isn't used to seeing other species. We also learn that Rosemary is on the run from something, but at this point in the story, we don't know from what. We find out later that her father was currently being tried for illegally selling really intense and illegal weapons to both sides of a civil war. Boo. Boo. You suck. You suck. He was awful. Yeah. Not that we spent any time with him, but I mean, he's obviously the worst. Obviously. And here we have our first discussion question. Oh, yes. Do you think that Rosemary really had to change her identity to go on living in the wake of her father's scandal? Um... Yes. I think maybe during the whole thing. I mean, eventually later, maybe. But man, so many people were being killed. And there are bad people who I am sure would gladly kill his family in retribution for killing theirs. I mean, he was basically a planet destroyer, which is a big deal. Yeah, that's a good point. I hadn't really considered the safety part of things for her. I would I would like to say that she wouldn't have to change her name and her identity and everything. But realistically, people are going to come at her with their already made opinions of her based on her father's actions. And they're not going to get to know her the way that the crew ends up getting to know her before finding out who she is. And I don't know if any of that makes sense. But uh, that's my it answer. Does. <laughs> it does. You are absolutely right. The crew is going to have some preconceived ideas, and yeah. nobody knows whether or not she knew what her father was doing, right? Yeah. Some people are going to think that she did, and that's, that's not good. Yeah, she gets really close with the crew, and I, yeah, they're, they're so nice, these people. And I would like to think that they would have accepted her anyways right from the beginning, but, you know, her father's pretty bad, so... And she didn't know what they were going to be like. Yeah. And, yeah, once once she knew them a lot better, she was honest with them. But I do understand being scared at the start and wanting mm-hmm. to get away. Because I bet the stuff was pretty bad on Mars for her. Yeah. Um, I was definitely expecting, like, a bigger reveal of what she was running from. I don't know what's bigger than that, really, but... I was like, oh, it's nothing, it wasn't even something you did. It was something your dad did. Well, that's good, I guess. But Because she was so afraid and so worried about it. Yeah, what he did was pretty bad. Yeah. And she was so disgusted with him, she was ashamed. Yeah. But yeah, so. I guess she wouldn't want that name attached to her for any reason, really. Man, I couldn't imagine. You know, you have family members who do some pretty crappy stuff, but... It's not usually on the news and the whole universe galaxy knows about it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That we know about. Yeah. Usually we just sweep it under the rug and never talk about it again. Okay. <laughs> Except at Christmas after just enough wine. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Okay. But before we get too far, let's talk about the members of the crew. This is very much a character-driven novel. 
uh, there's plot and stuff happens, but the most important part of this book are the people and the different cultures that they come from. So we've got Ashby. He is human. He is the captain of the ship. He's really fair and believes in always doing the right thing. He is involved with an Aluan woman named Pei, but they have to keep it secret because Aluans are not allowed to couple outside their species. Yes, I love Pei and I love Ashby. So good. Pei is the character that we follow in the fourth book. Ah, yeah, I liked her. They're interesting because they have no vocal cords and no sense of hearing. So they've had to like implement devices on them to be able to speak or to hear. I don't know. They have a talk box that is installed and then they have um, implants in their head that basically sends like a vibration, letting them know which direction sound is coming from. Yeah. Which is pretty cool. And their language is color. Because all of their skin changes color to talk. It's so cool. I love that. Okay, then we've got Ohan. He is a cyanet pair and the navigator of the ship. They have gray skin, blue fur, and he uses non-binary plural pronouns. They are infected with a virus called the Whisperer that only infects their species and is a very important part of their culture. The Whisperer gives them the ability to process multidimensional space which is very cool. I really, really loved Ohan and I love his whole species because we find out that the infected and that whole way of life is like a religious fanaticism Mm -hmm. that they don't actually have to do that. And yeah, I just thought it was really interesting. Yeah, it was really interesting and complicates so much for them down the line. I really pictured them to be very slothy like a very slothy yes yeah a big blue sloth yes i also pictured him as basically a sloth with uh cool what are those things that aliens put in the corn crop circles yeah like crop circles crop circles crop circles (laughs) hair tattoos (laughs) yes (laughs) yeah and he was blue i loved him and then we've got Dr. Chef, who is both the ship's doctor and its chef. He is, <laughs> <laughs> he he is, is the a, best name. So good. He is a grum, which is a species that is becoming extinct because of their propensity for war. For them, biological sex is a transitional way of being. They all start out as females and then turn male after they're done laying eggs. He is big and gray and has six limbs with hand feet on each one. He is super kind and caring and takes care of everyone on the ship. For me, he was like a multi-limbed walrus. Yeah, I could see that. (laughs) Which, you know, at first I thought was just not very attractive. But then you get to know him. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, come on. (laughs) Dr. Chef is hot. What? (laughs) <laughs> oh, I love it. But he's got a very good personality, so it's okay. <laughs> he he's very, very sweet. Yeah, I love him. Um, then we've got Lovey. Lovey is the ship's sentient AI, and her original program is called Lovelace. But she has been with the crew for so long, uh, and she's come so far as to have her own personality and name, hence why they call her Lovey. Um, She has access to the entire ship, and any member of the crew can call on her at any time. 
an interesting thing I found out was that uh, Lovey or Lovelace was named after Ada Lovelace, who was the daughter of poet Lord Byron and mathematician Lady Byron. Mm. Yeah. So Ada Lovelace. Okay, I'm just going to read this from Wikipedia because it's going to make more sense than what my brain can do. (laughs) She was an English mathematician and writer, chiefly known for her work on Charles Babbage's proposed mechanical general purpose computer, the analytical engine. She was the first to recognize that the machine had applications beyond pure calculation and to have published the first algorithm intended to be carried out by such a machine. As a result, she is often regarded as the first computer programmer. And this is in like 1800s time. It's amazing. How that works, I do not know. I can't program a computer now. (laughs) Yeah, I can't even begin to fathom how this kind of thing can even be possible. Like this kind of theory can even be thought of when there was no such thing as computers. But people are very, very smart. It's incredible. Mm -hmm. I bet she could have opened up her podcasting app just one time and had it work. (laughs) (laughs) Every single time. Every time, right (laughs) off the bat. Yeah, I thought that was a pretty cool little fun fact. That is a very fun fact. Yeah. So then we've got Kizzy, who is the ship's human mech tech. She is responsible for making sure all the mechanical components of the ship are doing what they're supposed to be doing. She has a lot of energy, is really excitable, but is also super caring and a really great friend. Well, some people didn't like her. I loved her. I thought she was great. She wasn't my favorite character, but I had no problems. No, I thought I love her. I, Of course, I like to walk around... In greasy clothes, holding wrenches too. So yeah, <laughs> I think I had like you know a special affection for her. Yes, Jenks is the ship's human comp tech and is best friends with Kizzy, which is convenient because they work really closely together. He is described as being unusually short and is not interested in doing any kind of genet tweaks. Genet tweaks. Gene tweaks. I don't know. One of those to cr- <laughs> to correct what he doesn't see as a condition. He and Lovey are in love with each other. Mm-hmm. Oh, I love their relationship. It's so cute. It's so cute. Uh, and of course, I mean, is it rude that, of course, my Jenks was played by um, Peter Dinklage because he's every short person in everything <laughs> ever? <laughs> well, no, because he's awesome. And also, just kind of sexy. Yeah, I was just... And by kind of, I mean super sexy. <laughs> <laughs> Have you seen him in... The trailer for the new movie, damn it, what's it called? Is it about the poet? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think his wife wrote that, actually. He looks really good in that movie. Yeah, he looks good in everything. So. Anyways, he's a babe. Yeah. So, yeah, no. Not rude. (laughs) (laughs) Jinx is. Jinx is him. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Ooh, and also Kizzy reminds me of, have you watched... um, uh, uh, why do I try and remember things? Firefly? I have not. It was, mm. Sam likes Firefly, and I bought it for him once, and I never watched it. But mm, You should, because yeah. uh, there's a character on that one that reminds me of Kizzy. Okay. But I have heard that this is not Firefly similar to Firefly, but yeah, Firefly-esque. I've heard that quite a lot. Uh, then we've got Sissix. She is the ship's pilot. She is from the Andrisk species, which is very reptilian in, in appearance, and their culture is very physically affectionate and sexually open. For me, because I play World of Warcraft, 
I could picture her just fine because we have plenty of creatures that are reptilian over there. Mm-hmm. But I know when we were talking about this with the book club, she was one of the hardest ones for people to picture in their I heads. Could, I could totally picture her, but I wanted to see a picture of her. Yes. If that makes sense. Like I know what I what I see, but it's nice to know if you're right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. Oh, and then of course there's Corbin. Uh he is a We'll get there, won't we? Yeah, I mean he's he's a man. He's a man. He's got a job. Some stuff happens. You know. His heritage is a little strange. Yeah. I think he has blonde hair. That I think it's red. <laughs> I don't remember. I don't even care. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I saw him as like a little Scottish guy. So Yeah. Could have been blonde. I don't know. I don't know. Doesn't matter. He's very cranky. <laughs> I just didn't have anything else to say about him. So Oh well. I mean, stuff happens with him. Don't worry. Yeah. I end up liking him in the end. Yeah, he's fine. <laughs> okay. On to our second discussion question, which fits in right here. Becky Chambers does a great job of creating complex and well-developed characters. Who was your favorite and did you have a least favorite? Oh, everybody was so good. I'd have to say uh, favorite. Like I really liked Sissix. I thought that because we got to go the most in depth with her and her species and her family and her story. I really liked that. But then like Dr. Chef was so great and I really liked his backstory too. Ashby was a really, I really like when male characters are written to be like really good people and he was really Mm -hmm. good. So I liked him a lot. Didn't have all these toxic traits just weighing him down. Yeah. He made mistakes sometimes, but overall was a good person. Everybody was so good. What about you? Least favorite? I guess like Kizzy and Jinx were probably like my least favorite. But the word Corbin? Yeah. Corbin, I don't even care. Um (laughs) but overall, like I I wouldn't really I wouldn't really say they're my least favorite. Like, I don't have a least favorite. Everyone's great. Everyone was important. I know. Everybody is great. I'm trying to think of who on earth could be my favorite. And I can't because I actually love them all Yeah, in different ways. It's like, you know, when you're trying to pick a favorite child, because obviously we all just sit around trying to pick our favorite child. Obviously. We don't do that. <laughs> but you're like, no, I can't. I don't have a favorite. I have a favorite today. Yeah. The one that is behaving right now. Yeah. But like <laughs> overall, you can't have one. These are all of my little space babies and yes. I love them all. Yeah. Trick question next. <laughs> you almost got me. <laughs> Ashby hasn't heard from Pei in a long time and is watching the news for any word of her. She's a cargo runner and sometimes finds herself in dangerous situations. Earlier in the story, he got a tip from someone in government about an interesting job that could be available to him soon, and when he's watching the news, it's announced that one of the Taremi clans has just been granted GC membership. Yeah, so that matters because the Taremis are bad. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, this is shocking to everyone because Taremi are vicious, mysterious, and have been in a civil war forever. No one knows anything about the war or them because everyone who tries to get close enough to their 
planet or whatever, they never come back. So what the membership means is that the government will help the clan defend its territory against the other. In return, the government can mine the ambi within their borders. And ambi is like a type of fuel, like the algae, I guess. Yeah, it's like super fuel. So... Like, should I piss off the Russians right now that are listening to this podcast? <laughs> well, Jen, remember the goal? Don't get sued. Don't get sued by, yes, the, by Russia. By Russia. <laughs> <sighs> it's just like if at right now we're like, hey, country, want to join NATO? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that would be weird. That would be a weird thing to do. Um, so, yeah, this is a problem. Everyone's surprised. Everyone's very, very surprised. And up until now, the humans are, I believe, the youngest in the GC in the Mm -hmm. books. So I actually really love that because we're just so bumbly and stupid. (laughs) Yeah. And all of the other races are like, look at our cool space stuff. (laughs) We're just like, hey, ha, pew, pew. (laughs) It's us, the humans. (laughs) (sighs) And, you know, we're so used to just being the center of everything. It was nice that for once, we were not. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so the government is going to need a ship to get all of that Ambi out of there. And Ashby wants to apply for the job, and he gets it. But it's going to be a long haul. Uh, they have to travel all the way to the Tremi territories to create the entrance to the tunnel. And then make a tunnel, which is going to take about a year or a standard. Yeah. Which is like 300 and something days. Because we're not in a solar system on a single planet. They have to have different ways of measuring time, which is weird. They are offered a lot of money and their expenses are all covered for the duration of their trip, which sick. Yeah, right. I wanted to read it again, but I forgot to. I remember that the job offer letter was really nice. It was like, yeah, this is the job. If you don't want to do it, that's fine. Yeah. (laughs) But just like you have to think of your mental health and like (laughs) this is the money that you're going to get. And I don't know, like you're really good at your job. And it was just like a really nice job offer letter. And I was like, wow, I like it. It's good. Yes. You just copy paste that for in the future. That (laughs) works. Yeah. (laughs) Just white out. uh tunneling holes through the galaxy <laughs> yeah <laughs> but in pouring latte coffee. art <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah so the crew has to buy all the supplies they need and then they have free time until morning when they have to leave ashby gets a message from pay she's alive and she's at the same port and wants to get together with him but they have to be really sneaky about it yes they have a whole system set up kind of Com- sexy yeah <laughs> complicated <laughs> Here they arrive at the port or whatever, and there's like a non sentient AI that's just like, do do do, hello, welcome to blah blah blah, da da da, and has their whole like spiel that they have to say. And Ashby's like, yeah, whatever, and just walks away. Like, he doesn't have to stay and listen to the whole thing. But then Jenks stays and listens to their whole little speech all the way until the very end. It was so cute. It's so sweet. Yeah. <laughs> I loved it. Uh, there's just all these like little tiny details that was just so good. And it just makes them such nice people. Yeah. But here, Ashby was like not caring. By the end, he realizes his mistakes, but. As he should. <laughs> but 
Uh, Jenks goes to see a friend of his named Pepper, who is a human, but she was bred in a gestation tank to do menial labor. She has a shop, and she helps him find all the stuff he needs. He trusts her, so he asks her if she's heard of anywhere to get a body kit for Lovey. It's very illegal, but she says that she will keep an eye out because if he's going to take that risk, she would rather it come from her and not somebody sketchy. Pepper is one of the main characters for the next book, and we get her whole childhood and backstory. And oh, it is cool. devastating and amazing. Highly recommend. Oh, I just gotta I just gotta read it. It's so good. Sounds <laughs> so good. Well, this is our third discussion question. How did you feel about the relationship between Jinx and Lovey? Would you have used the body kit in their situation? Oh my goodness. Okay, at first when I was figuring out that they were in an actual relationship, you know, when he like goes into the core and he like does he get naked? <laughs> yeah, he gets naked and then like lays <laughs> a- against her. <laughs> yes, at like the core. Yeah. And I was like, uh, oh, so- is this weird or is this sweet? I don't know. <laughs> but I feel like the naked part's a little bit weird. It's Maybe. a little weird. But I don't know, <laughs> they've been together for years. Yeah. <laughs> 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 uh, it's a little weird, but we cannot judge, weird. I guess, because I don't know. I've never been I've, in love with a sentient AI. <laughs> no, they have to be intimate in some way. Right? <laughs> Although she definitely watches him poop. So, <laughs> yeah, she has that option. <laughs> I hope she doesn't partake too often, but <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Can she decide what she looks at? <laughs> I, I don't know. Maybe for his sake, she just like closes her. Pretends to, I'm not looking. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I loved them very, very much. And I understand them wanting to use the body kit. But I do remember reading it and being like, no, you guys, it's too risky. Don't yeah. do it. Just stay on the ship. <laughs> yeah, you're you're yeah. safe here. So <laughs> oh, well, they weren't safe there. <laughs> I, I, yeah, they were super cute. At first I was like, oh, this is a little bit weird. And then I was like, no, it's good. It's fine. I like it. I love it. They're so sweet. Body kit. I I didn't want them to use it because it felt too risky, but I feel like I would not be okay being not in a body. <laughs> so I feel like personally, I would have to use the body kit. But if I had never been in a body, maybe I would have been fine. Well, and they want to be together. Yeah. Well, wouldn't it be nice to hug instead of just his butt cheeks just chilling in the core? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think the body kit is a good idea, but alas. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> so I made a note. <laughs> we have um, at this market, Sissix and Rosemary and Kizzy, they're all walking along. And then suddenly Sissix is like, oh hold my beer and <laughs> leaves them behind and then just goes and starts doing it with an old lady. Yeah, just in the street. <laughs> and Rosemary has no idea what is going on. And I, I, I didn't have any idea what's going on. I'm like, what is happening? And I'm reading, waiting for the explanation. And the explanation is just this old lady was alone, had no one. And in their culture, that's what you do. Yeah. You be with them. Just watch her be sad. And everyone was, like, trying to look away, but they kept looking because how do you (laughs) – How do you not? (laughs) And then it turns out it was a very sweet thing to do Yeah, because she was a very sad and lonely person and she needed, I guess, like, their actual race 
needs touch as like an actual, I guess so do we. Yeah. Right. That's like constant from anyone. Like they just, they're so touchy. It was so Um, intense. It was so intense. It made me so uncomfortable. (laughs) But also by the end, I was like, okay, this was like really nice and great. Okay. Is really interesting. Jen doesn't get massages because she's averse to touch. Oh my God. Yeah. So I can imagine this making you. (laughs) Yeah. I hate, I I can't say I hate massages. I've never had a massage, (laughs) but (laughs) from the times where Sam tries to massage me thinking that it's a nice thing to do. And I'm like, no, please never touch me ever again. Husband. (laughs) (laughs) So I can only imagine if some stranger was trying to do it to me, it's terrible. But yeah, I am not a huge toucher. So I I enjoy massages. I don't mind being touched, but I'm not like my friends will be crying and I just reach out and I just kind of pat them. (laughs) You're okay. Yeah. Yeah. So their whole culture just really makes me uncomfortable. And all of the scenes with them really freak me out. Like they're just their family orgies. (laughs) Yeah. It's just too much. But also I like it. (laughs) Yeah, it's not. I just, I love the way that she really developed entire cultures. Yeah. For all of these different things. And you can really, like, I know so much about Andrisks now, even though they don't exist. I know. I wish, I wish they existed. So my knowledge was for something. (laughs) (laughs) It could be useful. Could you imagine? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. They're all the species and the cultures are so well put together. Okay. Ohan is experiencing something called the Wayne. It's something that happens to their species that is connected to the Whisperer, and it kills them before the age of 30, usually. They are dying, and they know that they don't have a lot of time left, so they're trying to get through this one last job, which, what a job to be dying on. (laughs) Right? (laughs) Just the biggest one. (laughs) (laughs) Dr. Chef is helping them stay as healthy as possible, but they don't want the rest of the crew to know yet. Uh, Ugh. It's important information. <laughs> yeah. It's so sad. We'll become be coming back to this. Yes. It ends up being a part of the story. <laughs> yeah. Sissix, this is not important at all, but she molts. <laughs> so she loses her top layer of her skin like a snake. Mm-hmm. And it was so uncomfortable to read. <laughs> oh, just scene. It, were you itchy? Yeah. She's just like dying. Her skin is itching off and she's like scratching and bleeding and scales are flying everywhere. And uh, and then she goes to Dr. Chef who's helping her and he like peels off all of her skin and it's terrible, but also felt like I could feel it. I could feel it itching. I could feel it feeling better. I could yes. feel the <laughs> relief when the skin was gone and then I could feel how sensitive my new skin was after. (laughs) And it was nice just reading her having a thing that happens to just her that, Mm -hmm. you know, you have to deal with. Yep. Uh, Are you ready for discussion question number four? Oh, I'm ready. It's about Andrisks. Oh, I know so much. Just kidding. (laughs) (laughs) Andrisks don't believe that children and babies are people. And Sissix doesn't understand why other species are more sad when a baby dies than when an adult dies. How would you explain this to her? I kind of liked, I mean, I don't, obviously I don't agree, 
But like, I liked that as part of like all of the different cultures and everything, there was like a reason that she thinks the way that she thinks mm-hmm. and she backed up what she thinks with just their cultural norms. Obviously I don't like that. They're not sad when babies die, but yeah, but it makes sense. It does make sense. Like what they say. Uh, I wrote down a quote where it says the idea that a loss of potential was somehow worse than a loss of achievement and knowledge was something she had never been able to wrap her brain around. And that makes sense. Like in my brain, I'm seeing this difference between like reptilian species laying eggs and then mammals having to grow one baby for so long. Mm, It's just like a totally different dynamic. We have to be pregnant forever. And then we give birth to these useless things (laughs) that can't do anything forever, right? Like we have to put so much effort into each one of our babies that we have to really care about them for a long time for them Mm -hmm. to make it to to even childhood, much less adulthood. Yeah, plus our bodies generally make chemicals that literally make us love them so much. Mm-hmm. Obviously, to varying amounts, and you know, for different people. But the Andrisks, the mothers, don't have that maternal thing in them the way that we do. So they're not even the ones who raise their babies. No, they get handed off to. Is that I? Their Hatch family. Yeah, is it the Hatch family? They have different families that they go to. So, yeah, I didn't agree that children aren't people, but I also understand where they're coming from with that idea. And to say that, like, their children aren't treated badly. No. Like, they're not in cages or anything until they become adults. They're they're in a family. They're raised by people. They're still cared for. They're loved. They're cared for. They're just not loved and cared for by their biological parents. It's- yes, and I think actually I was starting to mix them up with the Aluans. We learn about their the way that they birth and stuff oh, okay. in the fourth book. Hmm. So, and it's not totally different from the Andrisks. It is different, but it's kind of got a similar okay vibe to it. Interesting. What I would say to Sissix and Andrus is that babies are so damn cute. That's why. They're, so They're more important than adults because adults are kind of ugly. <laughs> yeah, ask Ben. Are he so tells cute. me all the time. <laughs> yeah. Ben loves to come up to me. He's like, Mommy, you're not cute. I'm like, thanks. He goes, because you're not a baby. Adults aren't cute. <laughs> uh, rude. <laughs> yeah. We know. It's fine. Yeah. <laughs> but they are very, very cute. And even Andrus babies are cute. They are cute. All babies are cute. Yeah. yeah. All babies are cute. I will take any baby. Thank you. Any. Yeah. Not, <laughs> okay, not long after leaving their job, the Wayfair is attacked by pirates. Yar. <laughs> a, a bird-like species aboards the ship, hits Ashby in the face with a gun, and wants to take everything. Fortunately, Rosemary can speak their language and appeals to their fair side and convinces them to leave them enough food to make it to the next port. In return, they will give them anything else they want willingly. But then the pirates find out about Ohan. Their species is very rare, and they could get a good price for them, so they want them as well. No one knows that Ohan is dying but Dr. Chef. But Dr. Chef has to tell them all now so that the pirates know that taking them wouldn't be worth it. 
Um, I liked the whole pirate scene because what a peaceful negotiation. <laughs> I loved it. <laughs> it was so good. At first I was like, oh no, like I don't want pirates. Like I just want everyone to go on like liking each other and being nice and having a nice time. And I just always feel like I don't want conflict when I'm enjoying something. But in this case, the conflict was great. I loved it. <laughs> I think that what's nice with all the conflict in this book is that it resolves the way I want it to resolve. Yeah. Right. Which is with kindness. Yeah. (laughs) It's so convenient. Uh, Ashby got a smack to the face, which is fine. Yeah. I mean, he survived. (laughs) He's totally fine. Oh, and then Rosemary gets to like show not her worth. Obviously, she's worth more than being able to speak languages. But like she got to have a moment of being the hero. Yeah. She needed that. Yeah, I really liked it. And it was funny because after Rosemary goes off and she just does a whole bunch of paperwork and then she starts freaking out like later on and everyone's like, what's like, (laughs) what are you doing? She's like, because apparently everyone else immediately after this happens, like freaks out, has mental breakdown, (laughs) cries and screams about it. And then humans, we just like suppress our emotions until we like explode out of nowhere. (laughs) Mm-hmm. And they're like, obviously, this isn't a very good way to be. <laughs> and I was like, oh, I just love it whenever they would just call out how humans are. It's so good. Because we are. I absolutely have just gone through something stressful and been like, you know what? It's fine. I'm just going to sit down, get this work done. And then like sometimes my mom babysits, right? All the time, mm-hmm. twice a week, every week. Yeah. And I can tell if something is stressing her out because I get home and my house is so clean. <laughs> and I'm like, hey, mom, what's bugging you? Yeah, you okay? <laughs> yeah. So it actually works out really well for me. I should start pissing her off. We've all done some rage cleaning. <laughs> and usually during those times, I need to do some actual like raging and talking. <laughs> but yeah, love this whole scene. So good. So then Jenks gets word from Pepper saying that she found someone who will sell him a body kit for Lovey. So now they have to decide if they actually want to go through with it. And in the end, they decide, yes, they're going to do it. And my heart clutched because I got so scared. So scared and also so excited. Yes. And I feel like we're jumping ahead for sure, but I feel actual grief that they never got to do it. I straight up cried. I do not cry very often, <laughs> but I was very upset. I'm reading this book and I have actual tears going down my face. Oh my I was like, am I crying over my stupid <laughs> space book? Uh. <laughs> I, I didn't cry, but I was like, no, 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 they're not actually going to do this. No. What? what? I couldn't believe I, it. This- this isn't the book that I'm reading. I was devastated. No, <laughs> no one is supposed <laughs> <Yeah>. to die. <laughs> I was so uh, upset. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <sighs> I wanted a happily ever after for them so badly. So bad. Or at least like even just a moment. Mm-hmm. Ah, Jenks, lovey, lo- uh, pff, nothing. <sighs> yes. Anyways, back to the pirates. <laughs> <laughs> After the attack, everyone is feeling pretty shaken up and are wanting a way to defend themselves if it were to ever happen again. But Ashby refuses to allow weapons on the ship, but he agrees to install a shield. So they have... (laughs) Oh, yay! Okay, he agrees to install a shield. So they head to a moon called Cricket, 
where Kizzy and Jenks have friends who can set them up. I loved Cricket. I thought it was such a good part of the book. Maybe you want to be the one to describe it then. Have you watched Wreck-It Ralph? <laughs> um, not enough that I could say anything about it. Man, I have watched every kid's movie so many times. You gotta get on my level here. <laughs> <laughs> there is a game, the game that Ralph goes into to get a medal, whatever. And there's bugs in this game. And the thing is, like, all these space guys have their blasters and you got to kill bugs. And there's okay. hundreds and hundreds of swarms of bugs. So that is what I was picturing during this whole thing. Cricket is – it's a moon and it's kind of like a desert is how I pictured it. Yeah. And everybody has their own little – not trailers, but like just their own little like – like their desert house. Yeah. <laughs> it's not it's not fancy. Yeah. Um, it seems like there's a really good sense of community and they all protect each other. And I picture everybody very Charlize Theron in Mad Max style. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah just very Mad Maxy. All of the cars are gonna be like dune buggies with big tires. And yeah. People are gonna have straps and chains and how I pictured Cricket. How about you? <laughs> yep, that sounds about right. Yep. <laughs> Their friends are Bear, Nib, and Ember. So this is their brothers, right? And a sister? Yeah. Yeah. Yes. So <laughs> uh, it's funny because Bear is this big, everybody, like you see him and you're kind of scared of him. Mm -hmm. Takes them to the house and they go in and it's kind of looks like somebody's grandma lived there. Yeah. <laughs> It's just so good. Because <laughs> you could just picture it. Like, you're like, oh, this is very grandma-esque. Nib is more the, I felt like less the muscle and more of a brain, even yeah. though everybody is smart and technical. And then Ember is just a kick down the door, badass, young, I think she's like 18 or 19, Yeah, little sister who's just out there trying to, I don't know, be a big man. She's just like, yeah, yeah. I was going to say she's like causing trouble, but she's not really, not for anyone else but herself, technically. But. Yeah, she just wants to go out there and kill these big crickets, yeah. which are the bugs and, um, oh, ketlings, that's right. Yeah, every once in a while, they just get swarmed by these ketling cricket grasshopper bugs. And, of course, they swarm while they're all there so they all get kind of trapped there for a while and it's just nice they're there to pick it up is their kind of shield nice. and stuff but instead they're just gonna hang out and they're gonna have some food and they're gonna have a nice time yep they just have a lovely time because yeah they've got like these big electric force fields the bugs can't get through they just gotta wait it out but while there, they see a news report about a Quentin Harris III being sentenced to prison for providing the Taremi on both sides of their civil war with illegal biological weapons in return for Ambi. This is where Rosemary admits to Jenks that she's been lying about who she is and she's afraid that everyone is going to hate her and kick her off the ship. No one is mad or blames her at all, and Dr. Chef tells her the story of his species. They also struggled with civil war, and that was where he worked as a doctor. 
the other side of the war started using a weapon that would basically burrow into the enemy's body and then just burrow around until it killed them. Okay, this... The chances you played Turok as a kid aren't good, hey? Very, very poor. I can tell from your frozen face that it's... (laughs) (laughs) So Turok is a dinosaur hunter game. And there was a gun in this game called the Cerebral Boar. And what it did is it latched onto, it had like a homing thing. It went onto the person's head, latched on, and exploded your head. Oh, my God. And all I could think of was a cerebral war. It's the best weapon. I'll send you like a screenshot of it. <laughs> yeah, that is intense. Uh, but, yes, yeah, very sad. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> when I was a kid, my mom made us use the green blood. Um <laughs> Because that was better. She wanted yeah. no blood, but we compromised a green blood. <laughs> Dr. Chef retired from being a doctor when he saw one of his daughters die from the weapon and also found out that it was his side of the war that actually created them and the other side had just stolen the idea from them. It really made him unsure of who the actual bad guys were. And his species actually came to the agreement eventually to stop fighting and to just let their species go extinct. Which is a pretty big decision to come to. Mm-hmm. We suck. Let's just end it. Yeah. Just species, not suicide exactly, but... Just failure to reproduce ever again. <laughs> yeah. Until we're all gone. But I really, like, I really love Dr. Chef so much. So hearing kind of his backstory was really interesting. And yeah, so, so sad. Lovey gets word from a nearby ship that they have been hit and need somewhere to land while they repair the damage. Ashby says that they can dock onto the Wayfarer and then finds out that it's Pay's ship and crew. Kizzy volunteers to help do the repairs, and while in the ship, she finds that it is completely covered in mines, and Kizzy has to work to disarm each and every one of them. She has to manually disarm them, and they could go off. Yeah. Very tense. And there's so many of them. It was stressful. So many. Yeah. And aren't the other ones ships cool? Where like you just touch it and it melts away. Oh, yeah. Yeah. They had pretty neat. That was pretty cool. Everything is blinding white because colors are like yelling. Mm -hmm. Colors mean stuff to them. So all of their aesthetic is white because it's quiet. Yeah. I like white stuff. And then the Wayfarer is like all patchworked together. So it's just completely different aesthetic. Just (laughs) screaming at them when they go in. Yeah. Yeah. I was just thinking now we're at the mines and there is actually a strange amount of conflict or things that happen. Yeah. For a book that when you get to the end, you're like, that was really peaceful and nice. (laughs) I know. But really, there's actually so many parts where it's horrible and sad and (laughs) hence but yeah like you said every one of the conflicts it it's resolved in the way that you want it to be like Mm -hmm. kizzy's going through all these mines and you're like is she gonna get blown up is she gonna get blown up no she does it she kills it she slays all these mines she's such a good job and is awesome and yeah great at her job gets out of there she saved all of their lives yep and then finding them yep then we move on. So it's good. Sissix's <laughs> that's a rough one. Sissix's home planet is on the way, so they make a stop there to visit her family. Jenks and Kizzy go off for a concert, but Rosemary and Ashby stay behind to meet everyone. As we mentioned before, Andrisks are very affectionate, 
And when Sissix shows up, everyone in her family just piles on top of each other in a loving, touching frenzy. <laughs> I mean, I guess when I get to like Christmas, I hug everyone and then we stop. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> hug and stop. Like, I'll hug. I might hold a hand here and there, the arm squeeze. That's just one at a time as well. (laughs) Yeah. One at a time. So yeah, this, like, I liked all of this. I liked it, but it was so uncomfortable for me to read. (laughs) Could you imagine going to your friend's house and everybody just like group hugs for 20 minutes? Naked. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) (laughs) But it was really nice seeing Sissix in her you know, family environment. She was really happy and it was really sweet and everyone loves her so much and was so happy to see her. And yeah, I just had to get over the, the, the discomfort of their ritual. (laughs) Yeah. That was definitely an us problem. Yep. What can you do? Just got to get over it. I was glad that Kizzy and Jenks weren't there at first. I was like, Oh, this is kind of a weird detail that they've gone off to a concert instead. I was like, Oh, it'd be way too many people. (laughs) <laughs> keep track of like it's just that's good i was ashby and sussex it's enough or yeah ashby and sussex and rosemary that's enough i don't yes. need to be keeping track of any more people than that yeah and i loved i mean rosemary as a tool not just a character because she's human and she's from mars so she doesn't know a lot about any other species mm-hmm. it's such an easy way to teach us about everything yeah by her seeing things for the first time. Yeah, because... So she had to stay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Makes sense. And so Rosemary sees how important those kinds of relationships are to Sissex and knows the amount of restraint that she has to endure while she's on the ship because all other species only act that way with people they're romantically involved with. And she can really easily make people uncomfortable. So Sissex is like constantly like, yeah, holding herself back, but she is like still super affectionate to everybody else on the crew, but as much as they are comfortable with it. And it takes a while for her to learn what their boundaries are. Yeah. So Rosemary offers to be that for her on the ship. Yes. And not in like a martyr sacrifice way, in like a, I would like to do this for you yeah. because I would also quite enjoy this Yeah, kind of a way. Yeah, it's very sweet because she's, you know, she's definitely getting something out of it as well. But she can just see how beneficial that would be to Sussex. And yeah, she's also like, yeah, I think you're hot and I'm in. Everybody wins. And Sussex is like, cool. Down to clown, Charlie. Yeah. Some quellins, which are basically blue lobster centaurs. That is not how I picture them. Maybe that's how they're described. But yeah. once again, we meet Quellins much more in depth in the fourth book. I don't know why these are all referring to the fourth book. I swear there's three of them after <laughs> this one. Well, the way that I pictured him is like a beetle that's standing up. Yeah. <laughs> or like um, those ancient Pokemon. It's got a shell. Like a Kabuto. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, the Kabuto. <laughs> no, I have no idea. <laughs> Well, anyways, they board the ship saying that they are there to do an inspection and demand to search the ship and all of its crew. They are the most racist people in the galaxy. Yes. Which is they are terrible. Just a fact. 
They are outraged when they scan Corbin and they arrest him. Turns out he's actually a clone. What? I was like, oh, thank God. Something. I should have seen something coming because there had to be something interesting about this guy. There had to be. Yeah, he is a clone of his dad. And I am shocked that we never go back to Corbin. I thought that him and his clone origin and something with clones was going to be something in another book. But no. Never go back. And she says she's done the series. So. Yeah. So we get no more Corbin, I guess. But I mean, I feel like that with like all of these characters that they're all just, I know from you that we just kind of move on and we kind of see some of these side people again, but we just don't get to stay with these, with these wonderful, wonderful people anymore. Which at first I had such a hard time with when I started the next one. I was like, oh, this is not the crew. This is not the Wayfarer. But then once I kind of figured out what the thing was, it's actually got really exciting to be like, who is it this time? Yeah. I mean, it does sound like a good idea. It's like, you know, when you have a series on saving TV, it goes on far too long and it ruins it and you don't like anyone anymore and everyone's dead and it's just horrible. So it's nice that we just like end the book and it's on like a nice everyone's well. Mostly people are alive, but... It kind of reminds me of the one that you like so much, uh, Bridgerton. Oh, yeah. How each book is a different set of people. Yeah. But it's the same. That's the same. But different. I like it. Anyways, Corbin. (laughs) Clones are totally against cloning. They are very anti-clone. Very much so. So are pretty much everyone. Cloning is still one of those kind of like AI... One of those very gray, not talked about, it's not a thing that you do. Very Mm -hmm. taboo. Yep. uh, For the whole galaxy. But yeah, so they take him off to prison, which is brutal. Yeah, they were (laughs) really harsh to him. Oh my God. It's so bad. I could not (laughs) imagine. I felt so bad for him. Yeah. I was like, doesn't he deserve a trial or something you don't just start like kicking his ass they brutally beat him up he did not clone himself he is a victim he didn't even know he was a clone no not fair i felt so terrible for him and what's great he doesn't even have a good relationship with his dad he like hates his dad yeah which is which is himself weird and screwed up (laughs) yeah Uh, they take him off to prison and the only way for him to get out is for someone from a planet without cloning laws to sponsor him. The only crew member that fits that bill is Sissix, who unfortunately also hates Corbin, like she hates him the most. (laughs) And yet the feeling's mutual, he hates her, like she agrees to do it because it's the right thing to do and she gets him out from jail. My favorite thing is that they are required to now spend a year together. (laughs) Yeah, I would have liked to see that year. Oh my goodness, yes. (laughs) They'd just be friends by the end of it. I liked when she shows up at the prison to get him and he's naked. And she's like, she, Andrisks are just always naked. She wears clothes to make other people comfortable. And she's like, get this man some clothes. Because she knows how uncomfortable and how humiliating it must be for him to be beaten up and naked. And I'm like, oh, you're so good. She treats him like a person. Yeah, it's wonderful. Then something breaks in the ship and Kizzy needs a part to fix it. So they contact the nearest, like, I don't know, planet or ship or whatever place. (laughs) I can't remember. 
But there, they talk to some other cyanets who are no longer paired. They are solitary. They tell Kizzy and Ashby that there is a cure for the virus and that without it, cyanets can actually live for over 120 standards. Kizzy really wants to give Ohan the cure, but they are so against it, and Ashby says that it's their choice. Which it is. But also, it's such a decrease in their potential life. Yeah, so... And I guess the gifts that they get are pretty cool. Yeah, but these people, these cyanets on this other planet are saying, hey, you still get those. Like, Mm -hmm. you can cure yourself and still have it and then live way longer. But because the Whisperer is controlling their brains, they're like, no, I don't want that. I praise, praise the Whisperer. And yeah, Ohan is like so mad that they even talked to these other cyanets. He is very betrayed because... They're like blasphemers to him. Yeah. Like, yeah. So he does not want anything to do with it. Which, I mean, you're being controlled by the Whisperer. Um, The ship arrives at their destination and they all attend a kind of party where they come into contact with some of the Teremi officials. Rosemary says something about not being sure about trusting them, and they overhear and are pissed, because turns out they can hear everything. (laughs) So when the Wayfarer goes to start creating the tunnel, Charmy forces attack them and Sussex and Ohan have to do some serious maneuvering to get them out of there. So there was a whole thing, there's like a rebel alliance kind of a deal, but they're not the good guys (laughs) um, on the Charmy planets, and... We get these weird sort of sub-chapters of them plotting to stop the tunnel from being created. And it was kind of mostly formed, and maybe if I read it again, I guess because like what happens next felt almost too sudden. Like I didn't actually see it coming, even though I should have. Mm-hmm. So I wasn't paying as much attention to that part because I thought we were going to get more later that would explain it. Yeah. So I just didn't pay enough attention to the portion we got. I also was just like, I don't care about this, the whole Taremi <laughs> part. I was like, ah, uh, no, I don't need this. Let's just keep going the way we've been Let's going. Get a tunnel built. Yeah. Right. Build it, be successful, move on to the next job. That's what I would have liked. So I, I didn't really pay as much attention as I normally would have on these parts either. And then I wasn't sad that they weren't explained later on. Like I just could have done without it. If anything, it almost felt like they were there to give some explanation to what's about to happen. Yeah. But uh, this was, it was very stressful them trying to get out of this attack. Yeah. So basically what happens is they open up the tunnel and then as they're going in, they explode something. Yeah. And then it's like, you know, they can't, Oh, they have these things that are like pylons, I guess. They're like guiding posts. Mm -hmm. And that's what they get rid of. So now they don't have whatever these weird points that help them get through that would have made this easier. It's like driving without road lines. Right. And then now Sissix is trying to like be the pilot and Ohan is like waning. So he's like half dead and he's trying to like muster his last little bit of power to not get them lost in space and oh it was stressful people are running everywhere trying to fix things and i don't know 
And you get all screwed up when you're in that weird subspace. Yeah. So only only Ohan can even handle it. Everyone else usually is super high or knocked out or something because yeah, barely functioning. It totally messes you up. Yeah. So I felt very disoriented while reading this scene, and <laughs> I assume that that may have been intentional. <laughs> yes. <laughs> everyone, almost everyone, is fine, but unfortunately. Lovey's program suffered irreparable damage in the attack, and Jenks and Kizzy try everything to save her. They even call in Pepper to come and help, but in the end, it is decided that the only choice they have is to do a hard reset of the program, which gives them a 50-50 chance that when they reboot her, either the Lovey that they love will return, or the program will start with a generic Lovelace who won't have any of Lovey's memories or personality. And obviously, it's terrible. Yeah. I mean, I couldn't imagine having to make that choice, even if it's the only choice. Yep. Yes, it's like you pull the plug and either they breathe on their own or they die. But you can't just stay in limbo anymore. No, you have to do one of them. It's terrible. It's terrible. It was heartbreaking. (sighs) Yeah. So. Ashby meets with the Galactic Commons Council to tell them everything that happened. He wants to know why they are willing to risk allying with a species that unstable And after hearing what he has to say, they cancel the alliance. Obviously. They're not very trustworthy. No, they're not trustworthy. They're horrible. They gotta sort their own stuff out. Yeah, all of this is just for money, for fuel, like an ambulance outside. Ambi? Ambi? Ambience? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, obviously that was a really bad idea. GC, so... Try again later, once they've got their stuff figured out. Ohan is getting sicker and sicker, and the amount of effort it took to save the ship when it was attacked really put them over the edge. Corbin decides that after losing Lovey, though he didn't really care about her, the rest of the crew couldn't make it through losing someone else, so he sneaks into Ohan's room with the cure for the Whisperer and injects Ohan with it. (sighs) Discussion question number five. What did you think about Corbin's decision to give Ohan the injection? Do you think that it was the right choice? Uh, I mean, no, it was not the right choice, but I'm glad he did it. It was not up to him to decide that. It's wrong. You do not go into someone's room and inject them with something without their consent. That is true. But? But also, wasn't what Ohan was doing kind of suicidal? Yeah, maybe, I guess. It, it, it feels very complicated. It's super complicated. <laughs> yeah. Like, he was there, he was under like mind control, basically. It wasn't himself. He wasn't actually deciding himself. But at the same time, he was. It's just... It is a cultural thing for him, too, the, the pairing. And- yeah. You can't just decide that you don't agree with someone else's culture and that you're going to fix it for them. But what if somebody else's culture is that we all kill each other? Yeah, it doesn't, uh, you know, I, yeah, I stand by, it wasn't the right thing to do, (laughs) but I'm glad he did it anyways. Cause I'm just being a disturber right now. I totally agree. (laughs) It wasn't the right choice. He knew he was doing something against somebody else's will. And that was against their bodily autonomy. But I was so happy that he did it. Yeah. And after, it was for the best because Ohan 
he was so solitary before. He just spent all of his time alone. And then now he came and he joined the rest of the crew at the table. And Dr. Chef got to make him some food. And it was so uh, nice. Yeah. What was it? It would make him sick before. Yeah. He was worried that everything would make him sick and that that would affect the whisperer. So he only ever ate like nutrient paste and stuff. And now he gets to eat food like those lovely smoky buns that Dr. Chef makes. Don't you want everything he cooked? Oh, I want a bun. That's even the bugs. Yeah, the bugs sounded good. Everything sounded good. <laughs> oh, I've just been thinking about these smoky buns that are like filled with roasted mushrooms and oh, so good. I wish I would have thought of them when we did our real life book club for this one. Oh, I didn't. Why? We failed. We failed so hard. <laughs> Pepper has the body kit that she planned on using for Lovey. And she asks Lovelace if she wants to use it instead. So they did the hard reset. Lovey did not come back. Yeah, we were too busy crying about it to actually say it out loud. <laughs> yes. <laughs> it did not work. It boots up and it is the original hard copy of Ugh. the Lovelace program and not the Lovey that they have built and gotten to know over years. Ugh. <sighs> I was so upset. Ugh, so upset. But now having Lovelace is the same program. She has the same voice. She has like the same directives, except she's not the Lovelace that they knew. So her being there is hurting the crew. Yeah. Um, so yeah, because Lovelace can see how hard it is for Jenks to be without Lovey. And she thinks that having her around as a constant reminder is cruel. Uh, she agrees to use the body kit and to go work with Pepper in her shop. And then the Wayfarer gets a new AI named. It's like Randall or something. Yeah, <laughs> so some <laughs> some like guy. I can't remember what it was, but neither can I. But yeah, Pepper and Lovelace in the body kit, the original Lovelace here, are the characters of the next book. This is just making me want to read it so bad. I've already yeah, just started yeah. another book, and that was a mistake. No, it wasn't. It's good. But. No, it's not because I've got a feeling that I know exactly how the next what we're reading and other stuff is going to go. <laughs> Probably. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's going to be good. It's going to be good. I highly recommend tuning in. <laughs> the book ends with Rosemary and Sissex going on a spacewalk together. Aww. That was fun and nice yeah. and sweet. But we still have a few more discussion questions. So discussion question number six, Becky Chambers created a world rich in different races and cultures. Did you have a favorite species? I actually love everyone. Is that yeah. weird? No. Everyone's great. Everyone's great. She in, I'm sorry, this isn't about this book and it's not about the next book. It's about <laughs> the book after that. She talks more about... Like that whole book is set on a space station and the humans who left Earth who have been living on that space station or on the multiple space stations for generations. And I loved the way that she did the human race and our culture, but removed from Earth and who mm -hmm. we would be if we spent like 200 years on another. It was so good. So I, I absolutely loved that book. Even though, like, review-wise, it seems to be the weakest, I freaking love it because it took our culture and, you know, what we know and just put it in a different environment. Loved it. But, yeah, I, I she was so, so good at creating 
everyone. They all felt authentic and like they could be real. Yeah, and they all had flaws, but also had a lot of redeeming qualities. And from what we got to know, even the species where we didn't get to know a lot about them, we still got to know enough that they felt fully formed. Mm -hmm. I didn't feel like any of them were lacking. Like we definitely got to know and about Andrisks the most. So I really like more information, I guess. So I want to say that I liked the Andrisk species the best, but I mean, really they're all good. Thumbs up all around. Yeah. I, I am so big on world building that I just thought she had such a good amount of it in so few words. Yeah, because it's not a long book. No, it was really impressive. I liked Back to the Pirates. I forget what they were called, but when we kind of go back to why they are the way they are and um, Rosemary kind of appeals to their, you know, their sense of fairness or whatever, and we learn why that is. And it's just like a small scene but you get to know so much about these little bird aliens. Yeah. And then you end up liking them in the end. Like, that's impressive. Yeah. If you understand somebody else's motives, it's so much easier to, like, yeah. Oh, Sympathize with them. Yeah, so good. So good. Okay. Number seven. The characters muse a lot about human behavior. What do you think of their interpretations of us? So spot on and so great. <laughs> I loved it. Every time she was like, ha ha, humans do this. I'm like, oh, yes, we do. <laughs> yes, we do. Uh, and obviously, she's a human being writing this book. So it's, but it's, uh, it was just written. It was just so funny and so relatable. And I loved it. I love how bad we smell. Yeah. Every other race. <laughs> I mean, and we do. We're we work so hard to not smell bad because we smell bad. We smell terrible. It's true. Oh, <laughs> uh, now imagine if somebody had like extra super nose. What feet oh, would God. be like? Oh, so bad. It was so funny. I <laughs> definitely laughed every time that she put a microscope on a human behavior. Yeah, I loved it. But yeah, final thoughts. I loved it. I loved it so much. I honestly think I would read this entire series again. Yeah, that's pretty big because you're not a rereader. I am not a rereader, but this is definitely one that I would put on the reread shelf. And I have not gone on to any of her other stuff, but I do have Psalm for the Wild built. And um, I have one more of hers. I think it's the uh, To Be Taught a Fortunate. Oh, yeah. I'm not sure, but. Yeah, I will read everything that she writes because I love her. I will also be getting on that train, I think. And yeah, I think this would be great books to reread just to, you know, whenever you need a little pick-me-up or something, just a palate cleanser, something easy on your brain is perfect for that. Yeah, there's so much kindness. Yeah. Okay, that is all we have for you this week. Thanks so much for joining us for Book Club once again. Thanks for everyone. Uh, joining in over on Instagram and Facebook. Uh, we had a little bit of a quieter book club this month, but I was kind of okay with it because I had COVID. And yeah, it was hard to be present for me. So thanks to everyone who was able to join in. I have so much fun talking to you guys over there. 
If you're interested in purchasing this book on audio and you listen on Libro FM, consider buying it through the link in our show notes. We are affiliated with Libro FM, and every time you use our links to buy books, you are not only supporting your local indie bookstores, but also this podcast. If you are not listening on Libro FM yet, consider making the switch. When you sign up, you get to choose which bookstore you buy the books from, and a portion of your monthly membership goes directly to them. And if you use our link, you support us as well. During checkout, use the code CHOOSEINDIE and you get your first book for free. Why not make it this one? And then the next three. They won't be free, but they will be good. Yep. <laughs> if you haven't already, head over to best underscore book club on Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok and give us a follow so you never miss anything. We will be announcing our next book club pick there in just a few days, so keep your eyes peeled. Otherwise, we'll see you next week for what we're reading and other stuff. See you next week. Bye. 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 sounds weird. Uh, we're having some technical difficulties today, so if anything sounds like it's brutally cut together, <laughs> like when I have to edit out somebody turning on a tap while I'm talking. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> That's not a technical difficulty. That's just a difficulty. <laughs> <laughs>